Our scripture this morning is going to come out of the book of 2 Peter. Again, our scripture reading this morning is going to come out of the book of 2 Peter chapter 1. Again, 2 Peter chapter 1, we're going to begin reading in, uh, in just a moment. We're going to read a few verses here. But as you're turning to the book of 2 Peter chapter 1, there's some people that have had the privilege, or had the privilege, I say, of seeing Christ physically and in person. Now, I don't know that it's easier to believe in something just because you see it. I don't know that it's easier to believe in someone just because you see them. But I have to believe that there's just something amazing about seeing God in the flesh. We get excited, and I don't know if I can use the word giddy, but we people get all excited and, and, and anxious because they see people that are celebrities, people that are well-known. Maybe even people get excited because they've met someone that can offer them something that is amazing or something powerful in their life, something that could change them. Whether it's something they could bestow upon them, whether it's advice or, or something that they could give them or whatever it is, we, we, we all the time get excited because we come in contact with certain people. Could you imagine what it's like to be an eyewitness, not only to the life of our Lord Jesus Christ, but to his death, his burial? And yes, there were witnesses of his resurrection. Could you imagine what it would be like to be people that have seen Jesus? Now you and I would look at somebody like Peter and we would think it's easy to believe in Christ because look what he got to see. This morning I want to read to you if I can the very first verse and I want to think about this very thing that Peter had faith like mine. Faith like mine. How is it that this message is so old, we might say? But yet here we are, near the end of the year of our Lord, 2023, and we can have faith just like those that physically saw Jesus. What about our forefathers that have come before us? What about our children, some of them now that, that are even in the very infancy stage of their life, that if time tarries, can they have faith like ours? Absolutely. Do we think that we are unique and that we are different, that, that nobody else has had what we have, that nobody else will ever experience what we experience? Folks, I can understand what Peter is about to talk about here. Listen to the very first verse. Simon Peter, a servant, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith. I said faith like mine. I don't know how precious your faith in Christ is, but folks, it means a lot to me. Peter, we can understand that, that, that even through his faults and his failures, he still got to walk very close to the Lord. But Peter got to experience something and you and I, 2023, in a remote setting, we can still say that we can have a relationship with Jesus just like the apostles did. 
We think that they are a select group of people that, that even though that, that no longer exists, but they still got to walk with the Lord and work for the Lord. Folks, we get to do that now. now let's keep reading this verse. To them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Paul in his very first, excuse me, Peter in his first letter talked about the grace of God. You can go back and read about the, the, the entire book of 1 Peter and, and the, the great majority of it talks about Christ and His grace and His mercy that, that God has bestowed upon man. And I find it amazing that in the second one letter that Peter begins it by saying that there are people that have like precious faith. There are people today, he said, experience the same grace of God. Why is it that we feel like that, that one geographic location is different than another? Why do we think that one place is different or more unique than another? The truth is, is that we all get a, an opportunity and a privilege to experience the power and the grace of God in our life. But when you get into the book of 2 Peter chapter 2, over and over again, Peter talks about having a knowledge or a know or maybe as we might say a know so about things but here's what I want you to know about this knowledge about Christ Peter's going to talk about in his second letter is that he wants people to have a willingly desire to participate in something there's something I want you to know today God will not force a relationship between you and His Son, Jesus. I'm going to say that one more time. God will not force a relationship between any one human being and His Son, Jesus. You've got to want one. So today the question is, do you have a desire to have that relationship with Him? Like precious faith with us, through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. There is something about us being able to participate or something that we might be able to be willing to be a part of these things. John 17, 3 says this. This is a life eternal that they might know. Again, it's a willing participation of something Jesus said, John 17 and 3, This is a life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. Before Peter can describe false, he wanted to describe something that's true. So this morning, let's begin by asking you this. Do you believe today that there are people that have a true born-again experience with Jesus and a true faith in Christ? Do you believe in that? Peter said that like precious faith. If there's a truth, then there's also a false that is out there. Today, I want you to know something. Peter is going to talk about a true, real, genuine, authentic Faith in Christ. Aren't you glad today to know that you and I that have been saved by the grace of God, that no matter how foolish it may seem to the world, when we talk about Christ talks with us, that there are people that have like faith like we do. 
That there are people out there today that talk about how that God stirs in them and how that God moves in them and how God works in their life and that we are not a foolish people. We are people that have had faith and a belief in Jesus. Listen to what he said. He said, Simon Peter said that he was a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ. For the second verse, he said, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. He said this lack precious faith. You and I today, isn't it amazing that we can have something that people centuries ago have had? He said, according to his divine power, hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. He said, here it is. He's called us by that. There is a person that has called us. Notice what he's talking about. That there are, in that third verse, he's talking about the, the, the power of God that is involved in that according to his divine power. The faith that you have in Christ, folks, is a powerful faith. And when I say powerful, we're going to talk about this in a minute. Folks, do you believe that faith in Jesus changes things? Absolutely. You know, we can talk about minor shifts in minor changes. Sometimes you can walk into a room and you can change the thermostat by one degrees and that's a minor change. You might move it 10 degrees. That's a major change. Some people think that faith in Jesus Christ is just a minor shift. I'm here to disagree with that, folks. If you have had faith in Jesus Christ, you will experience a drastic change in your life. It's a drastic change. You have the same nature about you, but there is a change. The change is not something you face on the outside. It is something you experience on the inside. And listen to what Peter talked about here. It is like precious faith. But let's read the fourth verse, and we're going to go back to verse 1 in a minute. Whereby are given unto great, exceeding great and precious promises. Folks, God has given us what we need that by these you might be partakers of divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. You know, a lot of times we have to realize is that we are not the only ones that experience these things. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ. Simon, he said, which is a servant. Now, he didn't really just describe himself as Peter. He's Simon Peter saying that who he was, who he is, is two different people. I want to ask you something. If you're here and you're saved this morning, are you a different person than you were before you got saved? Simon Peter. I remember when I got saved... I remember a lot of people, who don't say a lot, but I remember several conversations that a lot of times detailed something along the line of just give him a little time, he'll be back. It's taken me many years, but I still want people to understand I'm not the same person I was before I got saved, folks. When I got saved, folks, he changed me. There was a change that transpired inside of me. 
It's a fear that I used to have of death was gone and it had been replaced with peace in my life. Folks, I am here to tell you this morning by way of testimony that if you get saved by the grace of God, there is a change that happens in you. And listen to what he said. He talks about, he, he said, I, he said, Simon Peter, he said, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. He talks about who he was versus who he is. Now, I'm not a believer that we should look back in our lives. I don't want to imply that we should look back at, at who we were or what we've done. What I am saying is, is there anybody here today that has an old man that has been buried? Anybody besides me? Folks, there's an old man that is there. But what the devil does and what evil in the world does is the world wants us to get our eyes upon Christ which is ahead of us and turn around and look at our old man. Desire the old man. Maybe even the things of the old man. But listen to what Simon Peter said. He said this, this light precious faith, he said, will let you transition from who you are uh, to who you were uh, to who you are. Folks, aren't you glad today to say that if you're saved by the grace of God, you are not who you once were? And really what's even better than that? You're still not who you're going to be. We're going to change, folks, and there's even a greater transformation that's going to happen. One of these days, the body is going to be a reflection of what God did for the soul of a man. And I'll tell you this, God did a wonderful thing the night that He reached down and He saved my soul. But you may be here this morning. Maybe you're in that old nature of man that you have not been born again. Maybe you're still in that nature where you have not crucified the flesh. Folks, if you're ever going to have faith in Jesus, this precious faith that, that Peter is talking about, he said, you must go through a change. I don't mean a change where all of a sudden now you're taller than you used to be or that, that, that you walk different than you used to. I'm talking about a change of the inward man. A change that must transpire inside of you. And he said, Simon Peter talked about how that, 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 that he experienced this change that happened inside of him. Paul said in Romans 6 and 6, if I can find it, listen to what Paul talks about. Knowing this, again, here comes the word know, a willing participation of something. Romans 6 and 6 said this, Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, and henceforth we should not serve sin. Folks, I can relate with Peter when I can say there's an old man inside of me that we have to crucify that there's an old man inside of us that we must let go of. And that's what Peter is talking about. He said that he is Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle. Now when he talks about a servant, he's not talking about just someone that was sold into slavery. It's someone that was willingly to go into slavery. And, and I want you to follow me for just a minute. We are all slaves to sin. But we're not slaves to Christ. You are not born forced to be a slave to Christ. You are born forced to be a slave to sin. You have to choose. You have to heed. You have to follow that still small voice to surrender your flesh, your ways to the ways of Christ. That is not our nature. That is not who we are, preacher. That is not something I can do. That's why God needs to give us what we stand in need of. What are you in need of here today? Listen to what he talks about. He said, I'm a servant. 
at the lowest state that you could possibly imagine, and, and I guess you would even say in a volunteer basis, he said, I am a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ. Now, why is Peter talking about how that he's an apostle? You and I can't relate to that today. When I talk about faith and that, that I can relate with Peter and his faith or this, this like precious faith that he has in Jesus, I can relate to that, but I don't know anything about being an apostle and you don't either. But I do know this, the apostles were about authority. I can relate to the idea that there is one that has authority over us in our life and that's Jesus Christ. Let's go a step further than that. What has authority that rules and guides you in your life? It's His Word. Do you know what it's like to be ruled by the Word of God? I cannot tell you how many times in my life I hear children growing up say, well, I don't want to do that. Folks, your nature is not going to be to want to please God. Your nature is going to be to rebel against God. But may God remind us that we need to, re, re, to reject the old man inside of us and say, Christ, I need to be a follower of you. And what you want us to do, he said, I am an apostle. And he said, but of Jesus Christ. You know, there's one thing about Paul that we're reading about here. Excuse me, Peter that we're reading about here. We're going to go back and read about Paul in just a second. But Peter in his writings here, is teaching us that he is unashamed of Jesus Christ. I can tell you a lot of things about the night I got saved, but I want to tell you just in a, in a very, very short time period, one of the greatest things that I can remember. Of all the things I don't remember, there's one thing I do remember. I remember that night that I was a member of the church and I was trying to do right, and I still just wasn't right with as, far as, as far as anybody else knew I was a member of the church. But I remember sitting in the back of the church that night and I remember when the Lord began to deal with me again. And I can remember just sitting in that service thinking, Lord, if you'll just give me an opportunity, I'll seek after you. And you know what? I can remember getting to a place I did not care what anybody else thought. For a while I was thinking, what are they going to think? I'm a member of the church and I'm asking to be saved and I'm, these people are going to think something's wrong. But folks, I can remember being unashamed of not only who Jesus was, but unashamed of the condition I was in. Folks, if you are a sinner this morning and you're in need of a Savior, do not be ashamed. Why? Preacher, are you saying that, that we should boast in the fact that we are sinners? That's not what I'm referring to. What I'm referring to is you must realize that it is, it is needful and it is necessary to be a sinner and it is to understand your sinfulness before you can ever be saved. Peter was unashamed of who he was and who he belonged to. I remember the night the Lord saved my soul. I didn't care what anybody else thought. They didn't care what anybody else was going to assume. All I knew was my relationship was not right and I needed Jesus. That was the bottom line. Paul said in Romans 1, Romans chapter 1 and in verse 16, talking about not being ashamed, Paul said, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Well, Paul's going to talk about something. You remember how we talked about minor changes a little bit? Remember how we talked about some things are just a slight shift? There's some people in their life that they just want to go from doing good to living righteous. Let me tell you, folks, as wonderful that is, you need to go through a change. And I mean a drastic change of getting saved is what you need. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. 
Folks, there's one thing I believe about Paul. There's one thing I believe about Peter. That neither one of them were ashamed of what Jesus and the power of Christ. Do you know what? If you're ever going to get saved, you have to realize that you cannot be ashamed of the power of Christ. For he says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I don't know what it is, but our culture, our society is no longer, I don't say no longer, that's not a fair phrase or assessment, seemingly is growing less and less ashamed of sin. Matter of fact, people don't want to no longer want to hide sin, and I'm not saying it's ever good to hide sin, but it's almost like, yes, I sin, I do wrong, and I'm not worried about it, folks. May sin always bring shame on the soul of a man. May there be a condemnation and a conviction of own sin, and, and how amazing it is, and, and how miraculous it is that God will condemn sin, but the parents will condone it. May God be rule in our life that if God condemns sin, may that be the very rule that we have in our life. If God says that something is appropriate, it is appropriate. If God's word said it is inappropriate, then folks, may we believe and trust in the fact that it is inappropriate. May God's word be the ultimate stand we have in our life. For he said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jeremiah told us this in 6th and chapter 15th verse. Were they ashamed when they committed abomination? Nay. They were not at all ashamed, neither could they blush. You mean to tell me Jeremiah's talking about a time where people were not ashamed of sin? You mean there was a time when people could do things and there was no shame, it was an openness, and there was a, there was a, a very bluntness, you might even say, you see, what, what you understand is that, that Peter had a faith where he was ashamed of who he was, not who Christ was. He was ashamed of what who he was and that he needed Christ. Don't, don't understand, or understand this morning that, that we can have to understand that we need Christ. We need his holiness. We need his righteousness. He said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. You know what the word gospel means, don't you? Word gospel means good news. Now, we all know how fast news can travel. Matter of fact, what you usually travels faster, good news or bad news? Or let's just go ahead and say it, busybody or gossipy news. Sometimes news travels really, really fast. But I hope that you all agree with me when I say this. Folks, there's no news any greater than the news of Jesus Christ. There's a news that needs to spread faster than any wildfire that we could ever imagine. You know what the good news is? It's the power of the gospel of Christ. Let's look at that, that phrase right there. It is the power of God unto salvation. It is the power of God. The word power of God that Paul uses there is the exact same word that we get our word dynamite. Now, if I was to tell you we're going to use dynamite, are you going to think small changes? Or are you going to think massive changes? It's amazing how the, I can see a lot of these workers that they'll drill down inside of that and it doesn't take much dynamite. You just got to put it in the right place. And you let it ignite and it'll make a big change. You know, some people want religion to be, let's just come to church 
Let's clean our lives up a little bit. Let's do just a little, little shift and then we're on the right path. Folks, I'm telling you that the gospel will do an amazing, powerful life transformation on you if you'll let it. But where does it happen? Where, where does dynamite gain its power? By laying it on a surface? Again, go back to what I, I talk about. Is that a lot of times if they wanted to do great power, they wouldn't just lay the dynamite on the ground. They would drill down inside. Aren't you glad today to know the gospel is not something that we just hold in our hands? It's not something we just listen to in our ears. It's something that gets down inside of us. And folks, let me tell you, how many of you can say glory, hallelujah, amen? When the gospel gets inside of you, it'll change you. Would you agree with that? Folks, it is. It'll change you. But it's not something you say. I, I believe in children learning Scripture and repeating Scripture. But folks, it is a whole different meaning when things are no longer the words of a mouth when they become the heart of a man. When they become your prayer, your desires, your, your anticipation. For he said, it is the power of God unto salvation. It, folks, salvation takes a tremendous power that only heaven could give. It couldn't happen any other way. You cannot have an experience. That's why when Peter said, like precious faith, this is something that is so powerful, only heaven could send what we need, for it is the power of God. But notice what it happens. Unto salvation. What, is, what happens? What does the gospel do to you? It quickens you. It makes you alive for when you were once dead. It'll clean you up. It'll go from your sin and your filthiness and your, 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 your unrighteousness that you have. It'll give you the things that you don't have yourself. Isaiah said, I believe he said in the 64th chapter, that our, our, our works are just nothing more than filthy rags. You know what those filthy rags are? Those are... We would almost call them a biohazard bag. Or just, it's, it's stuff that we wouldn't want to touch. The best that we have to offer is nothing compared to what God gives us. Aren't you glad today that the old man is something we can lay aside, we can get rid of, and God's not going to say, stay in that state of emptiness. He said, I'm going to give you something else. How many of us here this morning can relate to a time in our life where we transitioned and we changed from the old man to the new man? And folks, I still believe in a change that happens when a person gets saved. I believe in that. I believe in a change that happens. And Paul said, the power of God unto salvation. But who gets to experience this power of God? Is it, only, uh, is it only those that got the eyewitness account of Jesus that can experience such power? Some people walked on the road to Emmaus with him and still didn't know that was Christ. Yet you and I are. Here we are in 2023. How do we get to have an experience with Christ when he wasn't here in the flesh? We can have like faith. Or as Peter said, like precious faith. Faith like mine. He said, we can have that experience with Him. For He says, to everyone that believeth. This is Romans 1.16. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. Aren't you glad today to know this? Is that Christ is our Savior? That He is the one today that can give us what it is that, that, that we are in need of today. That He is the one today that can provide for us because He is the ultimate servant in our life. He's the servant that came from heaven down to here for you and for me. And as Peter's saying, he was a servant, an apostle of Jesus Christ 
to them that have attained like precious faith. So this morning, if you're here today, how many of you can say that you have like precious faith that Peter had, that you know what it's like, that you've had that experience and that, that, that you have been changed by the Lord? I want to read Mark, if I may, for just a minute, in the 16th chapter of Mark. The very end of the gospel according to Mark, Jesus appeared to his disciples. And I'm going to skip down to the 19th verse. Mark chapter 16, last two verses of Mark chapter 16. We're not ashamed to be a servant and go forth. So that after the Lord has spoken unto them, he, received up, uh, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. And they went forth. Here it is. They went forth. Peter had a, a like precious faith that he wasn't going to sit still. He wanted to go forth. Do you have something that's worth going forth and telling? I hope you do. Preacher, I don't have anything to say. I just don't know what to say. I'm, not a, I'm a man of few words or I don't know what to say or I don't know how to, to word it. Listen to what I did. They went forth and they preached everywhere. Folks, there's not a place that you can go of people that don't need to hear about the Lord. Are they already saved people? I come every Sunday morning to a house full of people that, that, that by their testimony are saved by the grace of God. Does that mean it's time to be silent on Sunday morning? No. Do we think it's time to be silent when we walk out into the world of people that know not Christ? I'll tell you this, it's a whole lot harder to talk about Him out there. But yet we still find that it's, it's necessary for us that, that we might be able to be a witness for they went forth and they preached every where they were rejoicing they were excited they were they were they were worshiping the fact that he was alive and you know what they went forth they didn't just stay in the comforts of their their lives they were willing and ready to go it says they went forth and they preached today do you have anything that you need to proclaim and it says they went everywhere and the lord working with them Man, you want to talk about something that the church needs to hear today? Folks, what good are we if we are working without the Lord with us? We're like a car that's trying to run without gasoline. I'm talking about an electric car. Talking about what we would call a traditional car that runs off fuel. We are like a car without gasoline. If we are trying to work without the Lord, we're not going to get very far. Churches today that if they're going to try to, to be uh, on their own and they don't need the Holy Spirit of God, they're not going to get very far. But I'll tell you this, a true New Testament church with the power of God, they have a great witness that they can give to this world. The world can hear about Jesus and it says they went forth and the Lord was working with them, confirming the word with signs following. You know, God was confirming what He was doing in their lives God was confirming and He was working in them so that, that they would know that it was He that was there along with them along the way. But listen to what Peter was saying. He said that to them that obtained like precious faith. Where did this like precious faith come from? That just, what, what he means is they had a like precious faith that it means it was allotted to them by God. And all that simply means is this. Peter had something that he did not deserve. 
How many of you here this morning can say that, that you have something you do not deserve? Anybody here besides myself want to say, Lord, I don't deserve to be saved, but I thank you that I am. We do not deserve it. We do not merit it. We have not earned it. It is not by our own works. It is a gift of God. That's what God's grace is. He is mercy. We, we skip out on hell or we miss hell. But grace, we can inherit heaven, folks. If it were not for God's grace, none of us would have eternal life in a place called heaven. None of us. But listen to what he said. He said, to them that have obtained, he said, a like precious faith. This is what he said. Like precious faith with us. You might think Peter got more. Paul got more. Maybe you can go back into the Old Testament and say, what about Moses and Abraham? We can name all of these people. But the truth is, Abraham was the father of our faith. But you and I can still have a relationship with God like Abraham did because of faith. Abraham might have been the father of faith, meaning he was the originator or the first one, but he's not the last one to possess faith. Matter of fact, somewhere in this world right now, somebody's life has transitioned to a life of faith, or excuse me, a life of flesh to a life of faith. They're transitioning somewhere. You, you have to have that at one time. Sometime or another, let me phrase it a little bit different. It's sometime in your life, you will have that for the very first time. Faith is like a grain of a mustard seed. You plant it and it grows and it grows and it, and it manifests itself. Abraham had faith in God. Peter had faith in God. Here you and I are in a time and a generation that we consider sinful and wicked and we can have this like precious faith. Like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. I believe it's obvious today that God has provided what we stand in need of. But it's like in so many times we talk about how that if God's provided it, has it been applied to us? The blood is available. It's in that basin. It's called. It's there. But has it been applied to you this morning? Have you had the blood applied? Have you had that experience where you believe that you can say like Peter, that you can say like me, that you can say like many others, that you can have like precious faith? But notice how this happens. With us, through the righteousness of God. And our what? He didn't just talk about our Christ. But listen to what Peter said. Our Savior, Jesus Christ. Alright, let's go back a little bit more. And I, want to, I don't want to worry patience. Savior means to be brought out or to be more specifically, delivered out of. You know, if, if I'm in a situation that I can get out of, I don't need a deliverer because I can get out of it on my own. Folks, being lost and bound for hell is not a situation we can just say is minor and we can get out on our own. It cannot happen. So what do we need? We need Jesus. But you know, sometimes we think, well, it's just not going to happen. He can't save me. He can't bring me out. You've got to have faith that He can. He can bring you out, but do you believe in that? And Peter had a like precious faith. Peter had faith like mine. 
Maybe I should say I had faith like Peter, but I'd rather say Peter had faith like mine. Because folks, I've had an experience. And when I read about others, I thought, they know exactly what I'm feeling. Because they experienced it too. But today, if we need Jesus, if we need someone to bring us out, if we need someone to deliver us, we must understand there is one and one only. And we talked about this. There's only one name under heaven whereby we must be saved, and that is at the name of Jesus. Folks, there's nobody else. There's no other way. There's no other method. There is no other means. God provided that through Jesus and our Savior, Jesus Christ. You want to talk about a deity. You want to talk about a power. You want to talk about someone that can do it and do it alone? That's what Jesus does. For the last several days, I've been reading the first chapter of the book of 2 Peter. And I think, Lord, I understand what Peter went through. That he could have such a precious faith. Faith like mine. In Jesus Christ. Maybe you're here this morning, and I want to close in a second. But maybe you're here this morning and you're thinking to yourself, I don't have what they have. You can have faith like mine. I'm not going to give you mine. But you can have your own faith in Christ. What about Peter? An eyewitness. One that got to see the Messiah. You can have faith like Peter. What about Paul? You can have faith like Paul. What about John and so many others? You can have faith like they had. Not that they're going to give it to you, but that you can have yourself. Today, where's your faith lying? Whom does it lie in? I want us to get a song this morning if we could.